out there, you stupendous storks. Thanks for joining us for another week of A Little Greener, a podcast all about nature, conservation, and sustainability. I am one of your hosts. My name is Sarah, and I am joined today once again by the fantastic Casey. We're back again, the the dynamic duo. Hi, guys. How are you? How are you, Sarah? I'm doing pretty well, as always, better now that we are doing this right now. Yeah. (laughs) Mm, I'm so excited to be back and doing this with you, Sarah. And as far as current life events, not much to report here. So far, so good. Good week down here in Florida hanging out. Actually, as I was driving home from work today, I noticed there's like one path that I drive through and the trees are I don't know what kind of trees they are because I'm terrible, but there's a lot of them that have lost their leaves now. And there are lots of like reds and yellows peeking through. So it really felt like I know it's not fall, but it like felt like a fall, a crisp fall day in Florida. So I was like, oh, seasons, they happen. Crisp in Florida. That doesn't <laughs> sound congruous. but <laughs> I mean, it's it's been in the 60s here. Okay. okay. Clear blue sky, some color on the trees. It was 20-something degrees this morning. I'm so sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No ice on your windshield, but I appreciate that you have a little bit of a seasonal change. Um, I have a cold, so if my voice sounds a little different, that is why. Um, My daughter is going to be eight months pretty soon, and I know. Time flies. Um, But she crawled up to me, as I told you uh, before we recorded, and put her little mouth over my nose and coughed directly into my nose like a little zombie from a zombie apocalypse trying to spread their contagion and she was successful so now both her and I have colds and that's why I sound funky but hopefully it won't be too distracting Sarah we are revisiting an episode that we did before our break I'm like a completely different person now <laughs> based on it. So uh, we're going to be doing a follow-up episode today to one we did before I went on maternity leave. Um, it was episode, I believe it's called Greening Up Baby in the Final Cut. Um, so this is a follow-up to that because I promised after I gave all of these facts about green ways to raise babies about how I did and how feasible I found things <laughs> as a non-parent now coming into a parent. So that's what we're rehashing today. If you want to check that episode out, it will go more in depth into different statistics and things we covered. I'm not going to go super in depth. I'm more going to review my reflections on feasibility because here at A Little Greener, we're all about being a little bit greener every day in every little sense, um, but not everyone can do all things. And we're going to learn that <laughs> in in examples today. So, Sarah, my question for you today is, when's the last time you saw a baby animal? Oh, it was actually not that long ago, but I got to see a baby elephant when they were just a couple, couple, few, maybe weeks old, and it was the best, and I never wanted to leave. I don't know that there's, I mean, like, obviously, if you put any baby animal in front of me, I'd probably say it's the cutest thing in the world, but like a baby elephant. Oh, my goodness. Figuring out their little trunks, oh, just swabbling around their little ears. Uh, yeah, there's. Out I don't know why, but both elephants and hippos, I feel, don't come after me, hippo and elephant. 
fans. I'm not saying that I don't like them or appreciate them as adults. I'm just saying they're not animals that I think of as particularly cute when they're adults. But baby hippos and baby elephants, among the cutest. I don't know why. Wild. But... Oh, I, I didn't even think critically enough to think about like what my answer to this question is because I just recently came up with it. But your answer tops any animal that I may have seen <laughs> recently. <laughs> I think, honestly, the zoo near us might have had baby peccaries. And that was the mm. like latest thing I saw, which is part of the pig family. Um, a vi- I would say Andrew and I were talking about it on the scale of like pigs of cuteness. <laughs> yes. I think there's a clear bottom to that. Do you have an idea of what that bottom might be? Um, I don't, I mean. If it's the Barbarossa, say, and oh, you know it's the Barbarossa. I actually <laughs> thought you were just going to go warthog. No. <laughs> I've also seen a baby Barbarossa. Okay, that might babies, I'm sure, talk. yeah. I think Barbarossas are fantastic. I think they're fantastic animals. Think, I'm just saying in the beauty contest of the world's I, animals that I, this hairless sort of pig-looking thing is... Sorry, Babarusa people. Peccaries, on the other hand, are very hairy. They are. <laughs> and, and they have heads that look very silly compared to the size of their body, just the proportions um, in the best way. And so the baby peccaries were very, very cute. And they were a little like... So little that they really wanted to be near mom and then would get kind of startled and have to catch up to mom if they weren't there. That that was very cute. Baby pigs, generally speaking, I would say, are also, I mean, as you say, baby almost anything, but. Gosh, yeah. And there's a reason for that because they are a lot of work. And so we have to to be on board with it. So today we're going to talk about babies and revisit some of the things that we talked about before I had one and now reflect on what happens afterwards. So uh, stick around and we'll be back after the break. All right, we are back with the main portion of our episode. We're talking about babies and the environment and eco-friendly ways to raise your baby. And last time we started by talking about having a child and how that might be, that decision might be impacted by climate change as a factor. So that there were news reports that came out that said younger people were considering not having children just based on the direction they thought the world was going or that they thought that it would be bad for the climate to add to the human population. Um, I guess my reflection on this right now is that I am so less involved in the news. (laughs) And in some ways that has been good because um, when, when you're into the news to the level that like we even have to be for this podcast, sometimes you are exposed to a lot of negativity. And so I think less about climate change every day. I'm obviously extremely aware that it's occurring. Just the weather around here sort of is proving the point um enough but i'm not as like engaged in the latest study so that's like my first (laughs) thought i wonder if other people who have multiple children like they haven't it's so not on their radar as much as feeling like a pressing issue 
Sarah, how did how do you feel about this? Like eight months out from where we we were. I mean, my perspective has changed not at all. Not, <laughs> not at all. I'm not a parent. <laughs> I am still not a parent, and so I don't have a lot to contribute um, from that from what you were just saying. But I have never considered not having children because of the environment. As we talked about first time around, like people should be thoughtful about whether or not they want to have kids and can make that decision based on whatever they want. I just don't think that I, I am I am not a fatalist when it comes to the environment, right? We've talked about how we think, you know, how, how the decisions that we make do impact the planet, but I'm not somebody that's sitting here saying the world's going to end in you know, 10 years if we don't do anything or whatever. So I think having kids is a very hopeful, important thing to do and is a tremendous, I don't know what the word, it's just a tremendous, important responsibility. Like I have so much respect for parents and, and people that are working to to bring up kids in the world. And I think that part of the reason that we care about the planet is for future generations, right? So I don't think that saying things are hard or things are so bad out there, things are getting worse for me would not be a deterrent to having kids because I think that, you know, people, as much as we can make the world a challenging place, we can make the world a better place too. I don't know. That was a lot of rambling, but no, no, I I truly agree. And like, I don't know. It's pretty pessimistic, I think, to look at a baby and be like, you're really going to be a drain on the world's resources. Yes, exactly. Yes. I'm hoping that that we can be, like you said, a little more optimistic about how that we can perceive kids as a a vector for change as well. That was a much clearer, more succinct way of saying what I was trying to say. Thank you. I just, I'm just clarifying both our thoughts together. So moving to actual practical steps here. And this is, this is really like what we have updates for. My philosophy on whether or not I'm going to have kids has not changed because I did the thing that I was already in the process of doing last (laughs) time we talked. So... I want to do this disclaimer again, because uh, last time I I said, I am not here to tell anyone how to parent. I went to get my hair cut and it's like one of the first things I did for me, like six months after having my kid and my hairdresser started giving me advice about how to mother my child and like okay, I mean, she may or may not have had some good tips depending on, like, how... But I didn't ask. Right. <laughs> I just really wanted to get my hair cut and, like, not think about my baby for just a second. And so I'm not here to tell you what to do. If you're listening to this from this point on, you are electing into my, <laughs> my experience and my advice. But if you don't do it the same way I did it or you disagree with me, first of all, kindly, you can put it in our comments because it'd be very interesting to hear a bunch of different perspectives having a baby you're going to have an environmental impact just like any other decision you you make and there are ways that you can be more environmentally friendly your ability to do so is dependent upon lots and lots of different factors many of which are outside of your control like your support system your income location biology cultural background etc so we're we're going to make some informed choices and the first area i think that 
everyone has the best shot at, unless you're on I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant, that TV show. Do you remember that? I remembered. I've never once watched it, but yeah. I never once watched it, but I swear every friend of a friend has a story of someone who didn't know they were pregnant too, <laughs> which I think is wild as someone mm-hmm. who was like just so aware that I was pregnant <laughs> all the time. And that's the prepping stage. So once you have the kid, you're going to have a little less time, believe it or not. So before you have your baby, this is where I felt like not only did I do pretty well, but I felt like I am now even more prepared to understand how I could have done better. And so the first thing is to try and reuse and recycle items from other people. So I was really lucky to get hand-me-downs from three different people in different avenues of my life. And I will tell you, um, parents who are done having kids are looking for the first sucker to give all of their stuff to. I've learned that (laughs) as someone whose people pull things out of their trunk being like, I brought this for you. Here you go. We ended up with so many clothes that even like people who had bought clothes as gifts, the majority of them weren't even things that I ended up needing. Like if I were to redo my registry, I would cut out almost all the clothes and put other items that are uh, more pressing than that because I was able to flush it out so much with other people's things. Right. And here's where the fellow non-parents can get involved in this too. It is it is so hard though because baby clothes are so dang cute. They're so cute. And I will walk through the store and see like five things that I'm like, oh, I wish I had somebody to give that to. But And they're not they, terribly expensive. Right. So it just feels right. like you can. <laughs> yep. But you're hearing it straight from a new parent, they don't need them probably. Again, you know, depending on circumstances and situations and, and all of that. But we've talked in our gifting episode before about thinking about what people actually want and need going off of the things that are on their registries, all of those things. Maybe we have to just hold ourselves in from buying all those cute new clothes out there for our friends with babies. I mean, yeah, I definitely, we had three Thanksgivings between all factions of our family. And so did we buy her a turkey onesie that was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my whole life? Yeah, we paid the 16 to $20 for that turkey onesie. But like, you might say, oh, well, she'll only wear it once. And I was able to justify it because she was going to wear it three times, which is honestly more than she wore many of the outfits that we had (laughs) that were not like specific to a day. Um, So I would say if you as a parent can connect with people who are past the point of having children or, you know, are ready to get rid of at least some of their items, maybe they also have a surplus that were donated to them. I swear there are more baby clothes on planet Earth. Like they could stop production for a couple of years and we we should be able to all circulate all of that around. <laughs> we don't need to buy more. So if you're a friend of someone who is having a kid, help them expand their social network. Like see if there are particular items that your friend who's about to have a child needs and see if anyone in your circle has it too. I think that 
you know, back in the day when we were living in smaller towns and everybody knew everybody, that's sort of the advantage of things like a a baby shower in that context. And everyone would kind of know what was going on. Now that like my support systems kind of across the country, having different people in my life, some of the clothes that I got were through a wonderful co-worker's daughter who had grandkids who was able to connect those two dots. Like I would have never talked to her Mm -hmm. daughter, even though I've, you know, known her. We're not that close that we would do that. She'd automatically think of me, but because, you know, a coworker was able to hook us up. Her mom was able to bring a bunch of stuff over, which helped clear her house out and (laughs) gave me a bunch of items that I like. Babies go through clothes like crazy and I still have way too many. (laughs) And I think that this not just goes for clothes, although again, like loads of clothes. But there are so many items that babies only use for a very short period of time. So, for example, you know, I was home with my daughter for like two and a half months on maternity leave, maybe two months. And in that time, if you are a new parent, I know I have some friends who are like brand, brand new parents and you're in the thick of it right now. Those first like three months, the only advice I have is that like they are kind of exclusively brutal (laughs) and there's no way to hack it because that's the first thing I did is try and Google my way out of every little like, how do you get them to sleep longer? How do you get them to do this? How do you get, you just, you don't get them to stop crying. Sometimes you just make it through. Yeah. I promise it gets better after a couple months, but I spent a lot of time Googling like, how to help your baby develop properly how what items to use what items to avoid um i wasn't planning on getting her for example a sit me up because i had watched some youtube videos from a baby occupational therapist who said that <laughs> the way that some of those sit me ups hold the legs of babies can mess with their hip development then i went to the pediatrician and after a couple months she was like oh she's about to sit up so you could get her a sit me up which is exactly what I wasn't going to buy. And that's when I first discovered that even medical professionals have a wide range of opinions on everything. Well, I first wanted to see if anyone had a sit-me-up, but it seemed kind of pressing. So we ordered one off of the internet. It came. I swear she used it for two weeks before she was able to sit up without it. And now I own a sit me up that like <laughs> will never be relevant for her. <laughs> so here's my next piece of advice for someone who has kids who is either going to have another one or is looking maybe to eventually offload some of those things to someone else. Keeping we're trying to keep things organized on like a monthly basis. So like both have her clothes separated out in vacuum packed bags in bins for certain time periods but also like some of those toys and because we have phones i take a million pictures i kind of have a good timeline of when she's been using them so trying to remember anything that happened three months ago is hard but having some sort of record or like storing them in a way that helps out i think will help you either help yourself for the next kid or be able to appropriately give them away away. because one of our friends was like what else do you need and I'm like I don't I don't know (laughs) I don't know until it happens and then I need it right now right (laughs) I mean (laughs) that makes sense it's your first time how do you know until it happens 
right. And every kid's different, but like genuinely, and I, I knew this going in, I knew nothing and I still only know a little bit. So another thing is that near me, I found out that there are huge, basically consignment shows that happen at the convention center nearby. And they, you can sell baby clothes, strollers, car seats, like all sorts of stuff to this giant thrift shop for children. So when she was really, really young, what we realized is that we needed some duplicates of what she had for when she stayed with her grandparents. Oh, yeah. They needed to have something like one of those um, play yards where Mm -hmm. there's the little semicircle and the toys that hang down. And all of a sudden it was like, I don't want my parents to have to buy anything because they've already bought plenty of things for her. I don't want to have to ship my things everywhere I go with me like it was like three giant bags full of stuff for her and I also don't want to spend full price on a bunch of toys that again she may or may not use and so I we were able to get a bunch of that stuff an extra stroller an extra play yard even like a car seat base that fit in with ours at this consignment show for so much cheaper than we would have otherwise. And this is another avenue if you're someone who either doesn't know someone who's already had a kid or you're done having kids and you want a way to make a little bit of money back. This was nice because it was like slightly more vetted than going to Goodwill. It was, they wanted it to be a certain standard and it was a specifically one for kid and it happens every season. So we'll get to keep going back to that kind of thing. So I didn't know that existed until... My coworker told me about it. So check that out in your area. Yeah, man, for how easy it is to, as we were talking about in the beginning, to get inundated with bad news all the time that makes us feel hopeless and frustrated. It does seem like there's an awful lot of good things and good resources that are so hard to find out about even when you're looking. So yeah, really taking the time to research what's available to you and helping to put the word out for other people around you seems like that's an important thing. Yes, I definitely am very grateful to my little community because I wouldn't, I'm a Googler. Sometimes my mom will be like, how did you know that thing? And I was just like, I typed in Google how to do this. And then it it popped up. Like it's my first thought when I don't know how to do Mm -hmm. something. But if you don't know the right thing to plug in, right. Then like, yeah, how do I get more toys for baby? You're going to get a bunch of ads. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you can also try and look at toys that are going to have a longer lifespan over the course of your kid's development. So my mom got my daughter a really great little soundboard that she loves playing with, but eventually it transforms into like a little walking thing and then can be a shopping cart. So there are some toys out there that will span a greater time period of usefulness. Um, I was also watching a mom on YouTube who, like, this is the same, actually, um, I don't know, she's a baby therapist, uh, developmental therapist, but she was talking about if your your kid gets bored with their toys, which is as tall as they can, instead of buying new toys all the time, keep them on rotation. Yeah. Hide, hide them. And that means that you're consuming less again and it makes it feel fresh for your yeah. kids without feeling like you have to like buy every random teddy bear that they grab in the store for example yeah, i have some friends that do that and that it they seem to Successful. like how that works yeah so okay. i mean i think in general the the vibe that i'm getting here is there's there's just a lot of stuff 
that comes with having kids and you're never going to be able to get rid of, of all the stuff. You should just expect to have stuff and need stuff. So try to make the stuff that you get last as long as you can and get it secondhand if you can safely do so. Right. As a reminder, cribs and car seats that after a certain amount of time, or if you don't know their background, you shouldn't use secondhand ones. So definitely look into those safety standards. You want, like, you don't want the crib that you were in when you were a baby to give your baby because it no longer meets certain safety standards. You want something that's a little bit more recent. So if you have a registry or something like that, putting a big ticket item, if that's something that you can't afford on there, makes more sense because you can't get that secondhand as easily as some of the other items that are on the list. Don't use hand-me-down pacifiers or bottle nipples or breast pumps is the recommendation as well. Speaking of breast pumps, our second category was feeding the baby. Yeah, this is a big one. Yeah, Sarah, can you remind us of what our options are for feeding babies? Well, (laughs) basically you've got breast milk or you have the formula option. I will say personally, we may have talked about this first time around. I have no idea what my mom did. I know that there is has been lots of talk around this in parenting communities. My thought is you do what you can. Uh yes. The definitely the like fed is best is Correct. Um, And I'll like share a little bit of my story. So some of the things that we talked about last time are that there are health studies that show that breastfeeding has unique advantages. Also, when we went through the sustainability aspect, um, there was a study in the Netherlands where they showed that four months of exclusive breastfeeding had somewhere between a 35 to 72 percent lower environmental impact versus exclusive formula feeding. It looked at global warming potential, freshwater and marine eutrophication, land acidification, land use. They studied the diets based on the average Dutch woman and what they normally fed themselves, which I thought was a wild study. Yeah. Super interesting, I will say. I would love to go back and listen to what I said about it the first time around. My thought on it right now is that it's super interesting. Like, I just think it's fascinating how people think of these things and I like to know them, but also part of me just like says for somebody who's becoming a parent, like, don't even think about this. Like, don't use this to put extra pressure on yourself thinking that you need to do something that you don't really need to do because in the grand scheme of things, it is not that big of a deal. But I do think it's really interesting as a non-parent. Well, it's interesting. And I mean, like, I 100% agree. Don't put extra pressure on yourself. Think about that, like, scale of, like, somewhere between 35 to 72% lower environment. Yeah. That's a that's wild scale. Yeah. It's based on an average, like, who's an, who has an average diet? Yeah. And here in the U.S., our diet is different from the Netherlands. For me, my plan was to breastfeed my baby. And she ended up having a little tongue tie. And it made it really difficult for her to latch and for me to be successful doing that. And I didn't realize how married I was to the idea Mm. of breastfeeding. Uh, My mom, like I was breastfed. That's something my grandmother was a lactation consultant. Mm. And so 
that was my plan. I I had read the data from the CDC about how breastfeeding has unique advantages. And so even though I felt like if you decide to feed your child formula, that's totally fine. But that's your decision and not the decision for, for me. I realized I had a lot of biases in there and that when I couldn't do it, it was emotionally very hard at a time that... I didn't have a lot of bandwidth for it's emotionally already emotionally hard. hard. Yeah, <laughs> it was really tough. So, no, something that I learned is that under the Affordable Care Act, they expanded your accessibility to lactation consultants. So, under most insurance plans, if you are someone who has given birth, you should have some sort of free resources to have a lactation consultant help. If this is something that's important to you whether it's for the green aspect or mm-hmm. not, it is something that is generally available. And I'm sure if you don't have insurance, there are also free resources out there as well. I had a lactation consultant come to my house. She was amazing. She did all sorts of different things. She ended up, one of the things when you are breastfeeding, and especially if you're having trouble, it's hard to tell how much your baby has actually eaten mm-hmm. because a bottle, you can actually see the ounces go out versus breastfeeding you can't and so she would come and weigh my baby when she would come out just to make sure that she was gaining weight appropriately and so what I decided to do because I was very married to the idea of breastfeeding is to do a combination of pumping and formula um pumping is hard guys and Something that my lactation consultant told me that really helped me is that when you're reading a lot of these statistics, pumping is often not considered as part of an option. Interesting. It's kind of like there's a dichotomy of breastfeeding and there is formula. And oftentimes pumping (laughs) breast milk into a bottle is like not often like where does that fall? in in the spectrum yeah I guess when you say so I mean I just presented it as breastfeeding or formula but I know so many people that pump right and so to me like that is the same thing it's you're still feeding breast milk so it's and and I don't mean the same thing as in like I I understand that there is a whole physical and emotional component that I cannot speak to but I'm just saying like in my mind that falls under the breastfeeding category And that's what my lactation consultant was like. I want to be super clear. Pumping is breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, I always thought of it as the easier option, naively, because Andrew could go in and feed her. Like, I was able to store the milk in the fridge. Andrew would be able to go and feed her. I didn't have to wake up every time that she cried. I did, however, have to wake up every two and a half to three hours to pump. And then that just was just pumping. That wasn't even feeding the baby. So, and it's from the beginning of the pumping session. So you spend 20 minutes pumping and then maybe you feed your baby and then you have to clean your pump, um, which when the baby's super little, you have to do every single time in between. You can't do any sort of like fridge hacks that you can do otherwise. And so I was cleaning these individual pump parts eight to 12 times a day. I'm sure the amount of water I used on that was crazy. <laughs> and something that was in some of these studies is that pumping obviously takes resources too. But what I learned from this is that, yes, if you are successful at breastfeeding, you can lower your carbon 
footprint by eating a more plant-based diet. But like, if you're someone like me who, and, and that's, you know, I ate mostly a plant-based diet, although a lot of people kindly brought us food. So after a while you just say, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just grateful for all of the help. There are so many stigmas around breastfeeding. Do you breastfeed in public? Do you feed your kid formula? Do you pump? Do you, like, you have to stop in the middle of work to pump? All of these things that like, just flush that that part down your brain. <laughs> I think that one study that went over and was like, yeah, breastfeeding, that's a nice tidbit of knowledge that has like, yeah. <laughs> no factor in anything. So, hey, past Casey, what a nice factoid you gave <laughs> us. That was not even a blip in my radar. Um, You just want your kid to be fed. Yeah. It's just like whatever way you have to do it. After a while, like... I pumped and I was able to exclusively feed her breast milk for a little bit there. And that's a heck of a lot cheaper than buying formula. Um, and that helped for a while. But also it took a really big toll on my mental health, like having to wake up in the middle of the night in addition to the time that I had to wake up in the middle of the night for my kid just to pump. That really was a challenge and one of the harder parts of of doing it. So I'm glad that I was able to give her breast milk. That was something that I wanted as a personal choice for me. It was really challenging when I couldn't do it the way that I first intended to. But as far as like the whole scope of her life, this is a very small chunk Yes, when it comes to any sort of environmental footprint. So there are other things. Yes. So again, to recap this section, as we always talk about on this podcast, it is okay to make a plan or a choice to do something a certain way with your environmental slant, like with, you know, the the idea of trying to do what's best for the environment. But it is also okay if it doesn't work out and everyone can't do everything and you are not making or breaking global climate change based on whether or not you breastfed your baby so pivot yeah. whenever you need to yes. pivot 100 so how about those bottles then casey that was the other part of this that we talked about with feeding was the bottles that you used i knew that when i went back to work i would be pumping and so i would need to have her eat from bottles so i bought these beautiful glass bottles for my baby and she hated them <laughs> it's possible because of the tongue tie she she has a more sensitive gag reflex and the particular bottles that i bought had like a different nipple sort of configuration if you talk to a lactation consultant man like the different types of bottle nipples that exist out there also that are like not they're kind of like women's clothing where they're not super regulated they're just kind of guesstimate sizes thrown out there uh-huh dumb <laughs> it was like uh so we had these glass bottles she would the bottle flow on those even though they were the smallest size was too fast for her and she would gag on them and so she didn't drink super well out of them she would have milk pouring out of her mouth so the good thing is is that my coworker, who also was having a child slightly after me, her kid did like the glass bottles and they were the one who recommended that brand in the first place. And so I was able to give them my glass bottles nice. to use because it turns out you need way more bottles than you initially thought if you want to keep any sort of mental stability during this time period. 
So we got some of the, I would say, basic bottles that are out there. There's, I think when we talked about it last time is that the study that they looked at was about 10 different bottles and those bottles represented 70% of the market, mm. which I thought was kind of crazy because you think about all the brands out there. But actually when you're shopping, um, yeah, there's like two main brands that you're going to buy um, for bottles. The good thing is, is that a lot of them have interchangeable heads Mm -hmm. on them so that they would fit multiple different brands which was really helpful for me because then I didn't have to buy additional things and what I discovered after buying all these bottles in Target one day is that they do offer (laughs) glass bottles in the the version that I had so we had the Avent and the Dr. Phillips bottles which are like very classic a bunch of babies use them um they do have that when you google or go on amazon and you're just like baby bottles those glass ones are not gonna pop up first so or like obviously come up as like have you considered getting the glass version of it it's the same shape it's the same size it'll use the same lid but it's glass instead of plastic if i would have known that that's i would have gotten those instead I'm sure they were a little bit more expensive. We talked about last time that plastic bottles do shed microplastics. We know that they have found plastic in babies. We probably pee out most of the plastic that we all ingest all the time. We know that we shouldn't be microwaving bottles based on these studies, too, because it overheats the plastic. So that's, again, a way to reduce microplastics. But I ended up, despite my best laid plans, using plastic bottles One of the things that I also learned, because I don't know why this wasn't intuitive, again, those nipple sizes for those bottles have different flows over the course of the babies growing up. And I don't, I feel like they should put it really big on the side of the (laughs) box being like, how old is your baby? Pick the appropriate thing. Don't forget, you're going to have to change these out. But you can just buy the little inserts, like the little silicone inserts. So you don't have to buy all new lids. You don't have to buy all new bottles. It's just the little inserts and they pop right into the thing. So yeah, I didn't know. Or things I had to buy, but best laid plans. Do what you can. Got it. Got to feed the baby. What I will say is that if I were to redo it and I mean, we already have a bunch of plastic bottles, but if I were to get glass bottles, I would get the more traditional ones that have um, like between the Dr. Phillips and the Avent, they're a thicker bottle than the glass bottles that I bought. Okay. So the glass bottles that I bought were not interchangeable with the plastic okay. ones. And so if she didn't like one, like we've discovered she doesn't, of the two brands, doesn't like one of those. So we can just buy new tops, but use the same mm-hmm. bottles for everything. Right. I would go with the more traditional bottle size that you have multiple options for the nipple. And then you can have the glass body. Gotcha. Um, and again, researchers caution us not to panic. We probably poop out most of the plastics and we don't yeah. really know. <laughs> and then it's the big one. The other side, yes. <laughs> what do you do with the other end of the baby? <laughs> right. When they pooping out those plastics, what are you, what is it being pooped into? Um, so Sarah, can you remind us what our options are of diapering our baby? Yeah. So we kind of talked about the commonly used now disposable plastic diapers versus cloth diapers but 
also talked about how we both have the what I would say your more old fashioned cloth diaper that you remember that's just sort of the white cloth that you might like safety pin or tie up versus nowadays there's a whole slew of other types of options for cloth or we'll say reusable diapers where you might have an actual reusable diaper. There's different types of linings or fillers or coverings that you can switch out. There's some really cute ones <laughs> out there now too. So, and Casey, I think you had talked about thinking that you were kind of going to do a hybrid, I think, right? Of sometimes yes. using the disposable ones and sometimes doing the reusable ones. Yeah, that that was my plan. And I'll just kind of go really quick through let's let's just touch on the pros yeah. and cons too of sure. so pros of disposables. Convenience, I would yeah. say, would be would be the main one that pops to mind is that's gonna be the readily available, easiest to clean up afterwards. Yes. And maybe I did we talk about health and safety kind of with them too yeah. in terms of like cleanliness for the baby they wick moisture mm -hmm. away from the skin much more effectively than the cloth ones do um so there is a like diaper rash angle that people who are looking at this have shown that cloth diapering has higher rates of diaper rash versus the disposables also uh you don't necessarily have because of that don't have to necessarily change a disposable diaper right mm -hmm. away so like not only is it healthier for your baby's skin in that way you can get away with a little bit longer of changing, time yeah yes and then what's the pros to the cloth environmental impact like landfill waste would be yeah end of life one yeah exactly possibly cost we talked about that a little bit in terms of costs like over the whole System. I wouldn't say lifespan but like time <laughs> that you're needing yeah. needing to use diapers yes yeah um that's I think the major one it's kind of like the plastic bags versus paper yeah. bag situation where you're like well the cloth diapers definitely have more environmental inputs to create but the end of life problem with the disposable diaper right. is one is very hard to get around. And so we did see one study that looked very extensively. It was from the UK and it was in 2008 about the differences between cloth diapers and disposable diapers and whether you use a service that comes and clean them or if right. you put them in right, your right. in your uh, own uh, washing machine and how much more laundry, you know, does that use water, etc. And they found that there was no significant environmental difference between disposables and reusables. And Sarah, for you, you said that that made you feel pretty good. And I remember being like, that makes me feel sad because you put <laughs> so much work <laughs> into doing this cloth diapering. I have changed my opinion on it. I feel much better <laughs> that they are about par for the course mm -hmm. because we did do, sorry, go ahead, Sarah. Well, I was go. just going to say, and don't get me wrong. And again, I would have to go back and listen to what Passera said, but like, I I really like the idea of reusable yeah. diapers because the, the end of life still does always bother me, even when the full life cycle analysis comes out more even. 
I do still get frustrated at the end of life. But yeah, I mean, if knowing that disposable diapers are such a big thing and I feel like if I had a baby, I know myself well enough to know that that's probably what I would do. It does make me feel better that in general, maybe there's not as big of a gap as I would initially have thought. Yeah, according to that study, there's not that big of a gap in difference. I think that they basically said that the water usage from the creation and then the washing of the cloth diapers sort of was their main downfall where mm-hmm. the the disposal of the um, disposables was the issue with those. Again, that study is now 15 plus years old. There have been improvements in both diapers and in washing machines. <laughs> um, so they made a lot of improvements in disposable diapers. I was really impressed and still am about how compact those little guys are mm-hmm. and then how much they can hold. Yeah. Sometimes I'll take it out and be like, oh, this is a heavy diaper. Like, I don't know how it's doing its job, but it is, <laughs> Um, which is good because it gets there through the night. My plan was is we were going to do cloth at home as most as we could, but we knew that she would go to daycare. We knew she would go to relative's house and if she was traveling, it's harder to do cloth diapers because you have to have a way that you're going to take care of the cloth diaper in between when you're out of the house and when you get back into the house. And then the fact that I was going to have to use different products that were not petroleum-based, because if you use petroleum-based diaper cream and stuff on the Mm -hmm. cloth diapers, they became repellent, which is not super helpful for absorbing. So we bought cloth diapers. I will say ease of use wise, like applying them about as easy as doing the disposables. Nice. I I think so. Um, You have to put two layers on, but I'm often fighting with the disposables of making sure that like the little flanges are out and that the the little uh, Velcro straps are in the right place. And there are snaps for the, the cloth ones that I thought very easy. Andrew is the heart and soul of our house, keeping us on green track, honestly. I feel like I do a lot of different projects, and but he's the one who's like, no matter how hard it is, he's composting. And no matter how hard it is, he's the one making sure that baby's wearing cloth diapers. I think he was a little less sensitive to the diaper rash issue than I was. I definitely, if she was a little pink, I was mm-hmm. like, Nope, we're going. We're doing the disposables for right now, but he would regularly cloth diaper, and we had about ten cloth diapers. And babies go through so many diapers, guys. He would go through it in like a day. Yeah, and then we had to put it in the wash. And our problem wasn't so much washing them because you're doing a lot of laundry, but like then you're just out until you've run right. it through both the washer and the dryer, and. So I think for him, he felt like he couldn't keep up because we hadn't fully committed to the cloth diapering. I was glad to put it on whenever we could. And there was a period, it's so much easier when they pee and not poop. There was a period where she was going like four days between poops, which was normal for her and for for babies Uh at that age. Perfect time to cloth diaper because you could count on it. Yeah. (laughs) It could be like, this one's coming out clean. Um, Now that she's... Uh, eating solid foods i understand why they put inserts in between the um the regular cloth diaper they'll put like an insert that's either disposable or like a separate wash element Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then the baby's bum because, um, yeah, that's a different type of poop than normal baby poop. But she grew out of that first size. So there was only two sizes. Yeah. Um, and she grew out of the disposables. Again, this was a daycare thing being like, mom, I think we need to move up a size in diapers. And I'm like, do we? And they're like, yes, it's like a bikini bottom. What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, right. I am new. (laughs) And now she has basically maxed out the cloth diapers now i need to consider whether we're going to invest in a new set now if we are going to have more kids which is you know a a decision for another day we're mm-hmm. in the thick of it don't ask right. people i went to to aldi when she was 3 months old and it was like the first 2 weeks that i didn't feel just miserable and overwhelmed and like she just started like kind of laughing yeah. and things like that where you're like oh finally gratification and uh older gentleman in line like asked me about her and then he was like oh, well she says mommy needs to have her have a little brother or sister no! soon three months guys <laughs> no no leave me alone you don't know right you don't know um like especially i had an unexpected c-section with her and things like that like Birth can be traumatic. Yeah. Don't put that on people. I know it was it was meant in like a yes, absolutely. completely positive manner, but I was so floored by it because I was like, finally, I am able to bring this baby out to the grocery store and feel confident in, in my decision and immediately. So anyway, we're not, you know, we're not making right. that decision right now. If I was someone who was like, I am planning on having four children, I think cloth diapering makes more and more sense. And I'm glad we have them. And if we have a second kid, I would, I feel like I'm more prepared to use them more effectively now because I know the the like different periods and pros and cons where it makes the most sense. If I was just planning on stopping at one child and I, and again, this, this brand assembly has a resale line, like they're keeping it in the system so you can sell their products to other moms get things secondhand they should last a really long time the diapers are still in really good shape despite being used a lot Mm -hmm. um but i don't know for like a part-time basis for one child if it was worth the investment on our end that's fair so i Again, think that there, I don't think that ease of use as far as like actually putting it on the baby, like don't worry about that giant paperclip. They don't exist. I mean, they do, but like not, you don't have to use them. You can use more modern versions. (laughs) Um, So the ease of use is like very easy. Uh, Once you become a parent, you don't care about sticking your finger and things like pee. Um, So like (laughs) that's how you have to tell if they're wet for that. Disposable diapers. And here's where I think that also disposable diapers have improved because my parents and my aunt were mind blown they have a little stripe on them and when the baby uses the bathroom yeah that stripe turns from yellow to blue i didn't know that it's great you don't have to accidentally change a diaper that's fine because you have an indication that it's actually been wet so you don't have to freak out like am i giving my baby diaper rash because she's been sitting in her pee for too long the line's there. You don't have to stick your finger in it, but you do for the cloth diapers, so. Well, I just think, Casey, overall, I mean, so it sounds like you fairly stuck to your plan 
more or less with the yeah. diapers. Andrew and, did better than I did, but yes. But I mean, you were you were intending on doing both, and you did both, and sounds like you have some good thoughts both ways for people who might be considering doing one or the other. And I just feel like in general, what it sounded like to me through every step along this way is that you've just done a really nice job of walking the line. Like you thought about things and you had pros and cons and you weighed options. And when things didn't work out, things didn't work out. And you, it's it's just the most important thing is is keeping your baby well cared for. And it looks like you took your greener options when you could take them. And I appreciate you sharing your thoughts and your feedback and your tips from people who might be becoming parents themselves soon. Well, that was a very, very generous way of looking at that. Thank you, Sarah. I think when you go on, so if you have a newborn they sleep on you a lot and so you end up on your phone probably scrolling through instagram <laughs> looking at tiktoks that are no longer tiktoks but reels and and um slowly your feed will become like memes about babies basically mm-hmm. and you'll get come across scary things and you'll come across aspirational things that are just like not realistic for most people you'll come across so much content of you're doing this wrong, you're doing this, you know, you could be doing this better. This person looks amazing while they're being a mom to a newborn. <laughs> you know, all these different things. That oh, internet. It, it is such, like, the distillation, especially because you are emotionally just shot from, even if it, you know, you don't have some sort of birth trauma or postpartum depression, just there's the baby blues are just like a thing that mm-hmm. people have afterwards and um you're not getting any sleep so you're just not in a good space to get any sort of barometer on how you're doing so i think the way that you you're looking at my experience i don't feel as like positive necessarily about it i think i will look more kindly upon it the further out that i get and I think that that's probably the way to look at it if you're a new parent is like it's not going to feel like you're doing it right (laughs) or you're doing enough. If being a little greener is part of your personality like it is for mine, it can be really challenging to like shift that perspective over to a new focus that is like inherently not jiving with that, Mm -hmm. especially when you're new at it. I do think there are certain things, if I were to do it again, that I could do better. But I think I can only do them better having experienced The second time around, yeah. Right, yeah. Like, (laughs) you have to do it the way you could do it the first time to be able to do it the second. And I remember when I was pregnant, a girl came in the store. I always want to call them a lady, but, like, they're my age. So, like, (laughs) then that feels weird. A lady came in the store and she had a very, very tiny little baby. And I was very, very pregnant. And so her mom was making conversations with me. And I, she was like, is this going to be your first? And I was like, yes. Is that your first? She goes, no, it's my second. And I was like, is it harder or better? <laughs> you know? And she goes, it's so much better the second mm-hmm. time. And I do feel like that would probably be the case, even though I would have like a toddler running around, just not everything being a foreign language to me all the time would make it easier. And so if you are someone who's in my boat now and now you have friends who are having kids or anything, 
like definitely I think take their barometer test of how much input that they are looking for in the first place but offering yourself as a resource I'm really grateful for like I after having my kid I realized that like when Kristen had her baby I had no idea what sort of time she was going through and looking back I'm like I should have been like there with a casserole and things like that and so I'm really grateful for like all the people who were super helpful to me in those first couple weeks and I think that if you have someone in your life supporting them out just in any way that is fit for them perfect um I think the consuming less of things that last a really really long time is probably the easiest way to make the dent in uh in what you're doing but beyond that you know godspeed yeah <laughs> good luck to everyone so that's what I got for you today Sarah hopefully guys this wasn't too much of Casey ranting about the last <laughs> eight months <laughs> no I'm glad we're doing this because it is nice to sort of catch up with you in that way and hear how things have gone and again just really appreciate your thoughts and tips based on the things that we talked about last time so thanks again for sharing and doing the recap for us folks stick around we will be back in just a moment with our wrap-up and challenge of the week Right, guys thanks for listening and thank you for bearing with me as we get back into our groove um i'm sure we'll have more sort of traditional new episodes coming up but i'm glad we were able to recap together um your challenge for this episode because we're <laughs> on a bi-weekly basis is genuinely if you have someone you know who's just recently given birth to a baby just text them and say hi one of the things that I really struggled with is like the human connection because you are like going basically back to animal form because you're just like must make sure baby alive must <laughs> no sleep just baby fed fed okay clean okay alive alive is <laughs> she alive and so like having a little bit of social interaction was really you know I appreciate when people uh, reached out with that and from there if someone's open to like you know getting it you can help be that source for secondhand toys um, ask parents what they want before you bring toys to the house because um, they might have a list of things that they actually need or a hole in their inventory that they would have bought anyway but instead you can be one less item that they need to be duplicating so that's my very vague challenge um, but Otherwise, take a picture of a baby animal and send it to us because yeah. they make us happy. <laughs> Excellent. There, if they want to do that, where can they do that? They can do that on Instagram. We're on Instagram at a little greener pod. They can find us on Facebook, a little greener podcast, or you can send us an email at a little greener podcast at gmail.com and you can send us baby animal pictures there. You can ask us questions. You can suggest future episode topics or whatever else you want to do. You can send us an email and we always are happy to hear from you. And we really appreciate everybody listening and we will talk to you again in two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Talk to you then, guys. Bye.